Hello, and a very warm welcome to the Excellent Executive Coaching Podcast. This program is about helping you thrive in some of the most challenging coaching situations. Our aim is to support you in bringing your coaching to the next level, whether you're new to coaching or you're already an expert professional. If you're a coach, leader, entrepreneur, leadership development professional, or a human resource manager, this show is for you. Welcome to the Excellent Executive Coaching Podcast. So, Maître Xavier Auberson, tell us what you attribute your success. You have an incredible success as an expert, a fiscal expert. Okay, uh, so, yeah, so I think it's a, it's a long process. It's not something that comes one day and you are, you are designed uh, as an expert. It's a, it's a slow and long process, and I think it's really started with the university where uh, I, I was a teaching assistant, and uh, there you have to, you have to be very f focused on accuracy and, um, and study thoroughly the, 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 the rules of law. But at the same time, you need to be able to explain in a very simple way to, to young students uh, or to the, to the public. So I think it's a very good system to, to promote, um, let's say, your knowledge at the same time and the, the faculty and the possibility to, to express your knowledge in a very simple way. So you, you express in a very simple way. You're, you're able to simplify yeah. concepts that are Yes, complex. that's what people say usually. And, 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 I think it, and I think it's true, but it comes in a very long, uh, long process. Then the second aspect uh, also is that, as you know, my father was the founder of the firm. At the time, it was one, you know, one-man show. It was alone and two, three people. And, uh, but he, dis he, he decided, he was one of the first, I think, to have this idea to focus on one aspect of the law, which is tax. So I would say I also follow this, uh, this idea, but I develop it to, a, to maybe a much broader and much more international level. So I would say the combination of these two, the university and the, and the study and the writing of, of articles, conferences, and at the same time to develop and to follow the, the path and develop in a more international way, I would say one, this area, if you put these two together, that can, this is one explanation I could give at least. So teaching law and being able to simplify at the university and yeah. at the same, expanding your law expertise right. to, to international, international uh, audience and, and clientele, yes. Yeah. But on the other hand, you're also extremely well known. Yeah. So what kind of promotion have you done for... Well, yeah, so this, uh, I, I did, did not have a plan. I never, uh, I never used a communication uh, agent or anything like that. I did it in a very, I would say, pragmatic way, which is the way I use in general. Uh, but frankly, maybe I, I, did a, I did a lot of conferences because I like, uh, I, as you know, I'm also a musician, so I like entertainment, I like to go in, I like to make concerts, so I like to make conferences, I like to teach. And in a way, I think this free music, teaching and conferences is, for me, it's exactly the same. It's like a show. But the show, sometimes it's very intellectual, so you have to really pass a message or you have to bring people to another level with the music. So for me, it's uh, maybe very strange, but it's all the same approach. So maybe this is this explained because it's true that, uh, for example, some, some student, uh, 
they tell me uh, even today that uh, they were influenced by the course they wanted to go further sometimes i receive postcards from students that recently was accepted to a prominent uh, u.s university so that when i received that i feel oh, maybe I, maybe at least i, I gave a sort of uh, let's say energy to, to do direction to do. energy uh, yeah. inspiration inspiration I maybe yes at least i do it in a very humble and honest way i really try to do it my best but not in an organized way at all frankly mm -hmm. so you like to entertain though yes i do yeah. i do absolutely i like to entertain but with a content for example when i make a conference uh, i can use jokes i can use anecdote i use a lot of anecdote sometimes people they laugh but at the same time, inside the anecdote, there's teaching, there's, a, there's something that people keep in mind, uh, and then they learn something, you know. I see. So it's also educational. Yes, absolutely. Yeah. So I can't resist to ask you, as a specialist and yeah. expert, what are the key challenges and key challenges Switzerland has, yeah. and some of their disadvantages today? Absolutely. So I think if Switzerland uh, play let's say, well, go in the right direction within the next few years, uh, there's a great potential. I'm pretty optimistic, in fact, uh, for, for Switzerland. Because there were a few votes that could really um, be detrimental to Switzerland, the vote on the lump sum tax, the vote on the inheritance tax. But the people were re really, I think, mature, and they really voted in a, in a very positive way, which gave a good sign, I, I would say, to the, the global community. So just explain for our listeners yeah. that they voted against an inheritance tax. Yes, against a federal inheritance tax of 20%, yes. uh, with, which would be just added to the global tax system, which is already pretty high that we have in Switzerland. So they voted clearly against, and they voted also clearly against the abolition of this lump sum special tax regime for foreigners that want to, let's say, retire or, or not work in Switzerland. So. It shows that there's a maturity and that uh, the people are now uh, conscious that uh, the competitive position of Switzerland is not granting for, granted forever and we really have to do uh, something. But if I take, uh, for example, the, the global system that we have, and in fact, I think one aspect which will become more and more attractive for Switzerland is simply the, the legal system we have and also the judi judicial system. Uh, you, people don't really realize or they start to realize when you invest abroad, maybe it's very cheap, maybe it's beautiful, you have the sea, it's wonderful, but then suddenly there's a problem. You go to court and then it becomes a mess because the court may be not reliable or it's too complicated, you lose your case, it takes, hours, it takes years and then you lose your investment or you, you just want to get rid of your investment. This is not the case in Switzerland. You invest in Switzerland, you at least you have a, a strong independent legal system. You go to court, you, you can be sure you may win or lose, but you have, as I, I would say, highly competent judges, independent. And this, I think we should promote more that as a value. It's a value which will become more and more uh, important in the future. Also, the, the second aspect is that our legal system is pretty... It's getting more, more and more complex, but still, uh, you know, the tax code is uh, 100 pages and uh, you can speak with the administration, you can call them, they will give you an answer and a fair and, uh, you know, reasonable answer. 
All this makes a very, I would say, attractive and, uh, and fair and clear system. So this is in fact a, also a, a value, especially in the world of today, which is much more aggressive, uh, much more dangerous in a way and uncertain. So the certainty also of the system of Switzerland is a, is a very strong value. But what do you mean by dangerous? Dangerous in the sense that uh, there are some security problems, uh, frankly speaking. The, the law changes all the time. You can have political change. For example, we see very well in countries, even European countries, where suddenly there's a new government that comes, changes everything and move from right to left or from left to right. This uh, is not, uh, I think this is not realistic and it, should, it will not happen in Switzerland. Okay, interesting. So tell us a bit, a little bit more about you. What yeah. was the most difficult time in your career and how did you overcome it? Okay, so uh, yes, the, the most uh, difficult time I would say was when I, um, I, I left, I finished my PhD and then I was starting to develop more and more the, the firm, the, the law firm. But there was a moment when it was not very clear and uh, I didn't really know uh, what, what to do and I was in a sort of uh, unhappy but what I did, and in, in my view, it's maybe one of the best decisions I took in my life. I went to Harvard Law School and uh, I was accepted. And then, frankly, I can see this was a turning point because I went to, to, to Harvard Law School. I was nobody there. So I'm like, no, nobody knows me. You know, you are a Swiss guy with uh, people from all over the world. Not somebody from Geneva, you know, where people know you already because you went to school in Geneva. People know you. You are in Harvard Law School, you are one among others. You are very smart people from all over the planet working all night long. And uh, for me, it was a shock. And it's uh, probably one of the best professional decisions I took, if I, if I take it from here. Because I met people uh, from all over the world. With, some of them are still friends. For example, uh, uh, Yoshi, this, uh, with Japanese uh, a professor at the University of Tokyo now. Uh, David Rosenblum, uh, who is at NYU, was my professor at Harvard, a still very close friend with him. And uh, it opens your mind. Uh, we, had we had classes like uh, AIDS and the law, or women discrimination and the law. This kind of courses, you say, but what is that? What are they going to teach us, you know? And then it's fantastic. It opens your mind. It gives you a sense of criticism. Uh, you don't take anything for granted. You, you argue, you develop argumentation, and you become also much more humble because you, you meet some people who are very, very smart, very, very quick, and uh, who still are very nice people and very interesting people. So I think I came back from, uh, from Harvard and uh, I changed completely. Uh, my father was still in the firm. I was then working with him. But then I said to him, okay, now we are going to change uh, completely, no, not, I mean, we continue to develop tax, but we do it in a much more open uh, international level. So this was uh, the turning point for me. So how do you develop the international aspect of the so, firm? Yeah, there are many ways. Uh, maybe it's a combination of uh, these ways. One way that most people do in the low area, I would say, is to, is to have contact with uh, partners of good, uh, highly reputable law firm all over the, the world, like um, typically Anglo-Saxon firms, American firms, British firms, French firms. So well, that's one way you have contact with them and then you start to develop cases together. Uh, I did that a little bit, but not so much because of time uh, constraint. 
uh, what I did more was to uh, make conferences. I published a lot of articles. I published books. And then eventually people read your article. They invite you to talk, uh, I don't know, in Milan, in Paris, uh, London, uh, New York. And then that's another way. But this way is uh, the hardest way, I would say, because you really need to, to work. I mean, I remember I was spending my holidays and maybe this has cost my marriage, uh, if I think about it, because uh, in some holidays in the past, I would stay in my room and I would be uh, typing books and articles while everybody, including my kids, were at the, the, the sea. Yeah? So this, this has a price, I, I, I should be very clear. Excellent. And so did you have an aha moment, another aha moment in your career, which you sort of shifted uh, gears? Yes. Uh, well, exactly. Maybe that's one moment. At least this is a, a story that sometimes uh, comes to my mind. Because uh, when I went to Harvard Law School had, uh, and I was married, I already had one kid. So, and I had a second one there. Can you imagine? So uh, I was, I remember, in the, in the, so with uh, one and then a newborn child. Can you imagine? In a very small apartment in uh, Harvard, which is called Peabody Terrace. Uh, if, for people who know, it's like... Uh, Avancher uh, in Geneva. I mean, it's really where the students live. It's like a small apartment, but it has a lot of it has a lot of charm. And then my 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 idea was to stay in America for a while and maybe enter into a law firm after my 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 LLM and uh, the tax program of Harvard. Then I received a phone call. We didn't have mobile phone. Huh, if you think about it, I received a phone call of this uh, gray, you know, brrr, this phone call in the kitchen of the apartment. And it was a professor Knapp from University of Geneva, who was my, uh, my professor, is the one with whom I did my PhD. And he calls me and he said, hello, uh, uh, Xavier, how are you? I just wanted to tell you that there's an opening of a, not professor, but a lecturer to, to become lecturer in administrative law huh, at the time at the University of Geneva. We thought about you, would you be interested? And in one second, uh, I felt it here, you know, in my, in my body, honestly, and I said, yes. And I closed the phone. It took me one second. No, I didn't even think about it. I knew it was the right decision. So some people call that intuition, you know, and I, I absolutely uh, follow that. And when I look backwards, it's the best decision I took because it changed completely. So then I had to go back to Geneva, not to stay in, the, in America. I had uh, to start, it was a little uh, lectureship of two hours a week, but then, of course, you are on the track at the university, then I became professor, and of course, this uh, made really the, a, new, a new path, a complete change, and you can call it this uh, uh, moment, this phone call. And how did it change? You told that it taught you how to make difficult concepts really easy. Yeah. But was there any other aspect of it? Is, is it also credibility that you were yes, a professor? Yes, sure, I, exactly. Uh, for example, I think because you are a professor at university, which it's a sort of certification, at least of a minimum of, a, of accuracy in what you say, or at least when you write something, there's a responsibility because things could be quoted for or against you. So I think in comparison to another lawyer who can really go to court and, uh, and uh, argue, when I go to court, I, have to, I argue and I like to do that, but I really try to make it sure that everything I say at least is, uh, 
is uh, confirmed by, by a source, by a case law, by law. So there's a sort of, uh, let's say, certification. And because of that, some cases, I would say, like legal opinion I received uh, are for sure, um, you know, asked as a mandate to me because they want to have a professor to, to give this legal opinion. Because you also advise the government, the Swiss government. Yeah, I do from time to time, uh, even uh, sometimes for, for draft of legislation, or also uh, I was one of the uh, negotiators of the double taxation treaty uh, with the United States. So yes, there's also this side. And I, this I like very much because then you need both skills. You need the skills of uh, like a professor to be really cl clear on the law, but you need the skill of a negotiator, which is more like a lawyer's skill. So then you need to put the two skills together. And maybe the third one, to be a little entertainer. Because if you want to negotiate well, you need to entertain the people with you. So you put all together and that's a cocktail, a good cocktail. A great cocktail. Yeah. So what excites you about what you do today? What is excites you more than other things? Yeah, uh, exactly. What I like today more and more is fact is that the, my profession as a tax expert becomes more and more, and back, in fact, be, uh, being a lawyer. You know? Sometimes uh, people, uh, they say we are like fiscalists, but in fact, it's, I, I'm not, and I'm less and less a fiscalist, I'm, and I'm more and more a lawyer. Because what's happening today is that uh, tax law has become a, a, a prominent uh, center of attention, of focus. So it's getting very, very complex. It changes all the time. So people now I come to you and they say, please help me. You know, it's not, uh, uh, you know, I don't declare this and that. I mean, this is not, they don't even need a lawyer for that. I mean, because uh, if uh, nothing is declared, what can you do? But they need still to understand and uh, just to comply with the, the law. It's become so uh, complex. more complex than it, than it was. So... This, part, this aspect of, the, of my job, I like very much because then it's again more like uh, education uh, and helping people to, to, to comply in, a, in a more, the most pleasant, uh, pleasant way possible. Because this area is very dry. Huh? When, I, when I say to people in dinner that I'm a tax expert, people look at me, ah, oh my God, so I look, they look uh, very seriously at me. But behind this, there's a lot of room for uh, entertaining and for something interesting. It's like playing with a complex game, uh, but playing still. Yeah. So what's the best business advice you've received? Yeah, I've received, huh, this is the question. Yeah, the, I would say the... There's one um, advice I've received from uh, my, this uh, Professor Knapp, who is really uh, a key person to me. And it's very interesting because, uh, and I call it now the, um, the clap, Knapp advice or something like that. He said, you, have, you, you make a legal opinion. So they, they ask you a question, you analyze the law, and then you give an answer. But you should always do something at the end of your work. You have finished the product, but then you ask the question again, you read the answer, and you should say to yourself, but does it make any sense? And if it does, it means more or less it's okay. But if it doesn't make any sense, it means you should go back and you should really think about it. 
this is uh, one advice for lawyers, I would say, because sometimes you read a very technical legal opinion and really to go back, it's, it's, it takes a lot of time because you need to criticize every, uh, you know, uh, legal basis and opinion. So it's very difficult. But this approach, it makes a lot of sense to me because it can help you to go into totally, uh, purely intellectual solution, which in fact do not make any sense in, in, uh, in reality. So that's one, maybe a very specific advice that, uh, that means, uh, means a lot to me. The, another one uh, is always to, was always to stay very uh, self-critical. So never take, uh, take for granted what you do. Always keep a, a sense of, of uh, leeway, maybe, of looking backwards. I do that from time to time. For example, it's a difficult negotiation. I see we are getting nowhere. So sometimes you just step a little bit back. The music, for example, helped, helped me a lot on this. So you step back, you look all around, you try to figure out who is saying this, and then you, as if you were looking from the, from the wall, you know, you look at the situation from the wall just for a little while, maybe, and then you go back inside and you can get to a better uh, understanding. Otherwise, you get too much in personally involved. So that's the second advice that I, the, the, the second advice, which is not to get too personally involved. And this I transformed into this idea to, to step outside almost of the room or to look at it from above. And music helps, you say? Music helps a lot because in music, you do that all the time, especially in jazz and in rock. Uh, it's very important for me because when you play in a band, uh, you cannot always be uh, the leader. You cannot always you cannot make a solo for one hour. Nobody will listen to you. You need to to let other people play and be in front. And still, at the same time, you should play that it's in harmony. And you should even help the the person to to go even further and higher. So that's a very wise system in life. In fact, I think. Very interesting. Yeah. So, of all the habits you have, yeah. if you have any, yeah, yeah. Uh, which one do you think has been part of your success? Yes, maybe uh, it's a surprising one, but it's the fact that I play a musical instrument every day since more than 30 years. And I, I'm, when I mean every day, it's really every day. Sometimes it can be five minutes, but maybe this uh, has, has brought to me a lot, I think, because... Uh, when you practice music and uh, improvise, uh, it's good for memory because you need to memorize scales, chords, uh, music. Uh, all the, so I try to learn new things all the time. So I think it's good for memory. And there are books apparently about it. It's good for, uh, let's say, it's like meditation. For me, it's like meditation. It gets you out outside of your world and it's a different one. It's good for modesty because you are never good enough. And you, I will never be good enough. Where people, uh, I was in the Montreux Jazz Festival uh, last week, and I, I saw uh, amazing musician. So for me, the, any, everybody has his own way. But for me, that's uh, that's one e explanation. But it's not a, it's not an obligation. It's a need. I mean, when I travel, I take it with me. I practice every day, and I, I love it. It's not. A, if I don't, maybe I would even be ba feel bad, you know. So maybe that's one explanation. I don't know what it's worth. And for a young yeah. lawyer that wants to become independent, what would you suggest to them? Yes, I would suggest to 
I would suggest to start uh, trying to make a difference because there are many lawyers, there are many good lawyers. So first of all, go abroad. And this I tell to all my students. So go maybe six months, one year, either in a foreign law firm, anywhere it is. It could be in China, it could be in America, whatever, but to go abroad uh, or to study in a, in a foreign uh, university, just six months, one year. This is to open your mind to meet other people. That's the first advice that I, I would give. And the second one is then to, to make a little difference. So start to write articles, uh, even if it's not so long, just write something. You will attract attention. Maybe today, and this I'm not an expert, maybe today you should be more also on the social media because this is the new way where, you, where people will look at you. Um, so that would be the second advice. And the third advice is any case you get, whatever it is, do it the best you can. And this is my mother, by the way, that told me that. She said, whatever you do, try to do it the best. And I did that, in fact. I remember, what, by the way, once um, there was a banker that came to me. I didn't have the name of the client. It was a strange case, a bit complicated. And uh, the, the guy was not so, so nice, not so interesting. But I did it the best, the best I could. And, uh, and then suddenly I discovered the client was be behind, came to see me, and it, was a, and it still is a prominent figure. So that's one example. Most people would have said, ah, but I don't know, it seems to be a little thing, not interesting, I would just do it quickly. I did it very well, and then it became a, a very important client of mine. So that's one advice. So free advice, I would say. Huh? Wonderful. Yeah. We get a lot of chance to have three advice. Yeah. We're coming to an end to okay. our podcast. Yeah. I want to thank you for your time and yes. for sharing your knowledge. Thank you very thank you much. Thank you so much. Thank you. It was very okay. interesting. Thank you very much. Yeah. Thanks for listening to the Excellent Executive Coaching Podcast. We hope you enjoyed the program. You can subscribe to all future podcasts at excellentexecutivecoaching.com and sign up for monthly newsletters featuring all the latest tips and techniques to bring your coaching to the next level. Join us again soon, and until then, bye for now.